0: The Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back,
1: relax and enjoy the episode.
0: G'day and welcome to episode 76 of AFF On Air. It's the 22nd of January 2022, and I hope you've had a nice break over Christmas and New Year. Certainly, a lot has happened over the six weeks since the last episode of this podcast was released. In some ways, travel has now got easier. Many border restrictions have now been relaxed, and more flights are running in and out of Australia to more international destinations. But with Omicron spreading across Australia and around the world at the moment, in some ways travel has also gotten harder. Many Australians would like to travel overseas over the coming year, but many are holding off um, planning anything just for now. And that's totally understandable, with there still are many unknowns and risks involved in overseas travel at the moment. But is it really that scary out there? For those who've been stuck inside Australia for the past couple of years, it can be a bit difficult to imagine what life is actually like outside of the country at the moment. And so throughout the coming months, I'll be speaking on this podcast to some Australians who've recently travelled to different parts of the world about their experiences. And we'll start in this episode with an Australian who recently returned from Canada and had somewhat of a nightmare trip home, although thankfully that was for reasons other than covid that's coming up shortly, but first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news. And firstly, Western Australia's Premier has reneged on his promise to reopen the state's border on February 5, announcing this week that the reopening date will be delayed indefinitely because his state is not prepared for Omicron. No doubt there will be some people in Western Australia who will be happy with this announcement, but it's come as devastating news for the tens of thousands of people who are currently locked out of Western Australia and trying to get back in, as well as for many Western Australian businesses. Qantas says that the resumption of its flights from Perth to London, which were currently due to resume from the end of March, is currently now under review in light of the delay. Qantas, Jetstar and Virgin have already cut domestic capacity over the coming months due to staff shortages and a lack of demand, and they're now going to be cutting even further flights in and out of Western Australia as a result of this. Meanwhile, most other states have now removed all um, entry requirements such as quarantine, testing and border passes. Other than Western Australia, which is now effectively closed to everyone coming in from anywhere except for 256 international arrivals a week and government officials coming from interstate, uh, the Northern Territory is now the only Australian state or territory with, um, with border entry conditions. Although tourists are still welcome to go into the Northern Territory as long as they meet those conditions. The Northern Territory is not closed like Western Australia is. And Queensland just this morning from 1am resumed allowing quarantine-free international arrivals as well. The Australian Government will soon allow passengers travelling to Australia to prove their COVID-free status using a negative rapid antigen test administered up to 24 hours before departure, instead of a PCR test taken within 72 hours before departure. This will make life much easier for people in countries where PCR tests are expensive or not widely available. It's also good news for people who've had COVID-19 while overseas and recovered, but are still testing positive on the more sensitive PCR test. Just as an as an example, there was an AFF member who was recently stuck in Fiji for almost a month after catching COVID-19 early on in their holiday. Now, they tested positive on a rapid antigen test, but they couldn't access a PCR test at the time so after their isolation period was completed and they got a negative rapid antigen test, they returned to the airport in Nandi to fly home. But that was the first time they were able to access a PCR test. And unfortunately, that came back as positive. So at this point, this person was testing negative on the rapid antigen test, but was no longer infectious. But they still had to wait another two weeks after that first PCR test to be able to get a second PCR test and then a medical certificate to meet Australia's requirements to fly home. For Qantas customers who have been unlucky enough to catch COVID while overseas, there's also been the added complication until now of Qantas's requirement for passengers who have recovered from COVID-19 to apply to Qantas for medical clearance at least 14 days after the first PCR test and at least 7 days before departure, meaning that people were stuck overseas for at least 21 days after contracting COVID-19. But Qantas has confirmed to Australian Frequent Flyer that it will remove this requirement from next week. Last week, Qantas' Airbus A380s returned to service for the first time since March 2020. There's currently a single A380 running between Sydney and Los Angeles three times per week. Qantas has also now restarted flights to South Africa and Thailand over recent weeks, with flights from Sydney to both Johannesburg and Bangkok currently running three times a week. During the first weeks back of operation, pretty much all of Qantas' flights from Johannesburg to Sydney have been completely full. But with Thailand's border rules continuously changing and scaring off tourists, those flights to Bangkok will be a little bit harder to fill at the moment. Qantas had seen very high demand on its new services to and from India as well when they launched last month, but over recent days Qantas has been cancelling a lot of its India flights following an announcement from the Indian government that people arriving in the country will now have to quarantine for a week. Qantas has also just suspended its flights to Honolulu from the end of January until the end of March. Speaking of cancelled flights, multiple international airlines, including Emirates, Japan Airlines, All Nippon Airways, Air India and Korean Air, have cancelled flights to destinations across the United States this week over concerns that 5G being rolled out near American airports could interfere with aircraft systems. British Airways has also changed some of its US schedules over the issue, replacing Boeing aircraft with Airbus planes on affected routes. Apparently, the 5G is thought to be capable of interfering with aircraft navigation systems, particularly uh, landing systems uh, which are needed when there is poor visibility around the airport. U.S. telecommunication companies have now delayed implementing their 5G rollouts near U.S. airports as a result, and Emirates has now resumed services, but this is definitely not the last we'll be hearing about this. Singapore has just reopened its vaccinated travel lane after a four week suspension, which was announced in December. The Singaporean government had stopped accepting new VTL bookings from the 23rd of uh, December last year until the 20th of January, which was this Thursday. Uh, due to Omicron concerns, but it did honour still existing bookings. New bookings on VTL flights and buses into Singapore are now being accepted once again, although there are some capacity limitations, with Singapore now only accepting half the number of passengers that it was before the pause. United Airlines has brought back its Mileage Plus Status Match Challenge for 2022. If you currently have status with a competing airline, such as American Airlines or Qantas, you can apply for the status match, which gives you four months of complimentary United status benefits. If you then complete a minimum amount of flying on United Airlines during those four months, you'll get to keep your status until January 2023. United is a member of the Star Alliance, and it will soon partner with Virgin Australia, so United status is definitely a handy one to have. IHG Rewards has also launched a status challenge promotion to start the year. IHG Rewards members can register by the 12th of March, 2022, for a 90-day Platinum Status Challenge. If you then stay at least five nights at IHG Hotels within the 90-day trial period, you'll receive Platinum Status with IHG until the end of 2023. IHG Hotel brands include the Intercontinental, Holiday Inn, Hotel Indigo, Crown Plaza, and Voco. IHG Rewards also announced this week that it will be making changes in a few months to its loyalty program, presumably after the status challenge offer expires. So far, they haven't announced many actual details, but we do know that some of the status tier levels will be changing, and the top tier Spire status will be renamed to Diamond. Singapore Airlines' Chris Flyer miles will not expire this year, which is good news, with the airline now continuing to extend members' expiring miles by six months at a time until at least the end of this year. Normally unused Singapore Airlines KrisFlyer miles expire after 3 years regardless of your account activity. Singapore uses time stamping, but with many KrisFlyer members still grounded throughout the pandemic, our Singapore Airlines is now continuing to progressively extend the validity of miles by 6 months at a time, which it has been doing since April 2020. The moratorium on uh, miles expiring was previously due to expire in March this year, leaving many Chris Flyer members concerned that their miles would expire before they had a realistic chance to redeem them for travel. Singapore Airlines has also just announced that members, uh, Chris Flyer members with status due to expire this year will receive another 12-month status extension. This makes it the third one. Virgin Australia is giving its Platinum Frequent Flyers more time to use their complimentary business class upgrades when booked on economy's Choice tickets, with this offer now extended until June 2022. It was previously due to expire at the end of this month. Velocity Platinum members, of course, receive those four complimentary annual upgrades. And all Qantas Frequent Flyer members can now select a seat for free when booking any Qantas domestic or international flight departing from Australia, but only when booking directly on Qantas.com, not when using a travel agent. Until recently, Qantas charged a fee for standard seat selection if you booked an international economy sale fare and you didn't have any Qantas status. That fee could be up to $45 to select a regular seat on a long-haul flight to the US, for example. The Qantas seat selection fee was already being waived if you had Silver, Gold, Platinum or Platinum 1 status. Um, and it's now also being waived for bronze members. You just have to have a frequent flyer number, a Qantas frequent flyer number attached to the ticket. But Qantas will still charge for standard seat selection if you don't have a Qantas frequent flyer number linked to your booking and on international tickets booked from outside of Australia. This does not apply to exit row seats, though. Those are still payable. And in any case, exit row seating is not currently available on Qantas's Airbus A330, Airbus A380 or Boeing 787 flights. Uh, that's because Qantas has blocked off the exit row seats for social distancing as they directly face cabin crew jump seats. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Would you like help with redeeming your frequent flyer points? Our sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions, offers a great service called Award Flight Assist. This personalised service makes it easier for you to get where you want to go using your own frequent flyer points. For more information about Award Flight Assist, visit frequentflyer.com.au. Australia's international border officially reopened in November, but with COVID-19 still sweeping across the world, overseas travel is still risky. It's also a lot more expensive than usual, with fewer flights available, more cancellations, and multiple COVID tests required to cross borders, and that was all before Omicron. Even though many Australians are keen to travel overseas soon, a lot of us are waiting for things to settle down first. I know a lot of people just don't want to take the risk yet to go overseas. But is it really as scary out there as some people might think? There have unfortunately been a few horror stories, such as the story on AFF this week of a person who caught COVID-19 after arriving in Fiji and then got stuck there for weeks on end because they couldn't access a timely PCR test. And there's also been reports, unfortunately, of hotels in certain countries providing guests with false positive COVID test results, forcing these people then to isolate at their hotel for an extended period, which of course conveniently means the hotel gets paid for all the extra accommodation by the traveller's insurance company, not so convenient, of course, for the traveller. And so there's no doubt that international travel at this point of the pandemic is still more difficult than usual, and it still does come with some inherent risks like the ones I just talked about. But many of these risks can now be managed, Um, and they they don't apply necessarily to all parts of the world. And for many travellers, the pendulum is now starting to swing towards the rewards that come with international travel outweighing the risks. I've spoken to quite a lot of people recently who've taken that leap of faith to travel overseas, and they have no regrets. But still, I know a lot of Australians are now wondering if it's the right time to start planning that overseas trip yet. Everyone's risk appetite is, of course, different, and so I'm not here to tell you that you should or shouldn't travel. But over the next few episodes of this podcast, I'm going to speak to travellers who've recently returned to Australia, and that way you can hear about their overseas travel experiences for yourself and make up your mind. And to start with, I would like to welcome Daniel Cavan to this first episode back of the AFF on air podcast for two thousand and twenty two Welcome Daniel thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on the podcast it's yeah it's great to have you on because you 've just recently returned from Canada um, where you 've been for a few months um, and you 've just recently returned back to Australia. So I want to start by asking you, yeah, how long were you in Canada, and what were you there for?
1: Yeah, we ended up being in Canada for about three and a half months and The reason the visit was so long was uh, because when we started our trip, it was still while the Australian borders were shut, so we weren't actually allowed to leave Australia unless we had a travel exemption, so we went for the travel exemption where you declare that you're going for at least three months out of the country to be allowed out. So I was there with my wife and my baby son. Um, My son was born in May of 2020, so he was a COVID baby. And my wife's Canadian, so he actually hadn't had a chance to meet any of my wife's family. So um, we really needed to get over there so that my wife could see her family and so that everyone over there could um, meet the baby who was now 18 months old. So it wasn't really a matter of choice. We just felt like we had to do whatever we needed to to be able to get out of the country and um, go and visit family. Yeah. So which airline did you fly over to Canada with? So we'd originally booked a United ticket. Um, Part of that was because United was one of the few North American airlines that were still operating. So I think we booked this in about the end of June or the start of July for travel in September. And I think at that time, United and Delta were the only airlines flying over to North America unless you wanted to go the long way. Um, So we booked a United fare and we booked economy going over and business class on the way back. And at that time, there were still um, restrictions on the number of passengers that the airlines were able to take uh, into Australia due to the travel cap. So we wanted to get a business class um, ticket for the way back to hopefully have the airline prioritize us if they had to bump passengers Uh, but in the end we actually found a Qantas flight um, that was going over to Vancouver from Sydney Um, and it was actually going over there to be a repatriation flight one of those DFAT um, repatriation flights operated by Qantas but Qantas was selling tickets for over there as well so we ended up canceling our United flight getting a credit with United and flying over um, um, in economy on Qantas on one of these repatriation flights. And that was actually really good because the flight was really quite empty. There was probably no more than about 50 people on there. So we got to spread out in economy class and um, it was quite a good service and nice to have it direct to Canada without having to go via the U.S.,
0: yeah, and you, you were on probably one of the very few um Qantas international flights that was sort of operating before the before Australia's international border yeah. reopened, so it must have been quite an interesting experience.
1: It was an interesting experience and it was fun chatting with the flight um crew, the flight attendants, because they were all themselves super excited to be back up in the air so um, it was a nice atmosphere and you know they looked after us really well one of the interesting things was that Qantas actually wrote to us in advance warning us that um, because they need to cater the flight back from Vancouver to Sydney um, they had to bring their catering from Australia, um, probably because they don't have their ground contracts in place um, in Canada during the pandemic, that there'd be very little food and drink available on the flight over there. So we were to bring our own food and drinks and water. Um, we did end up bringing like loads of water and snacks and things like that. But actually, the, the catering was just fine. They um, There was no hot food, but there was plenty of um, food and drinks and water to um, keep us fed and hydrated on the way over there, so it was quite a nice experience overall.
0: Okay, and of course you avoided having to transit through LAX, so that's um that's always a nice thing as well. And so that's right. um, yeah, you were in Canada then for a bit over three months. So uh, how how were things sort of on the ground there with um you know in terms of COVID, but also like were things open? Were you able to go and do things? Were there many tourists around?
1: Yeah, so we arrived in Canada um, towards the end of September. And we were in a city called um, Victoria, which is in British Columbia, on Vancouver Island, just off the coast of um, Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And uh, things were kind of just getting back to normal at the time. So they did have previously a lockdown and, you know, cafes and restaurants had been closed. But by now... um, Places had reopened. Um, you had to wear masks um, indoors and you had to show vaccine passports to get in anywhere. So things were open, but uh, with Precautions, but I think it was a pretty good balance because it allowed you to, you know, get out and go about your normal life. Um, but it was still quite careful. Um, there weren't loads of infections uh, around there. Certain provinces in Vancouver had quite a lot of COVID going around, but um, in British Columbia, it was um, relatively restrained. So it, it did feel pretty much like normal life. Um, and there wasn't actually a lot of tourism around, but it was kind of starting to um to trickle back and over the three months that we were there we probably saw more and more tourists uh, appear i think a lot of them may have been domestic tourists from other parts of canada and perhaps um some americans as well towards the end okay uh, did you have any issue with uh,
0: having your australian vaccination um, certificate recognized in canada
1: No, it was pretty smooth. So we just used our Medicare uh, vaccine certificates uh, that we had in our Apple wallets on our iPhones, and we showed that. And the staff pretty much everywhere were happy to take that because I think they were used to seeing um, vaccine passports from other jurisdictions that they weren't able to scan the QR codes of like they would for their local British Columbia ones. Um, So, yeah, it was a pretty smooth experience. Um, The only tricky bit was that the Medicare vaccine certificate doesn't show the dates of both vaccinations unless until you press the little info button and go into the details so a couple of times um the people were stumped as to you know how they would see that we did were in fact double uh double jabbed but once you showed them um, they were pretty happy to accept that um, as long as you had a physical um id photo id with you as well so i just use my australian driver's license along with my um, Medicare vaccine certificate to get in everywhere. Oh, nice. Okay. And then you came back
0: just a couple of weeks ago, um, not not to Queensland where you're from, but you, you flew into Victoria, obviously with the Queensland border rules. Um, uh, well, Queensland hadn't actually yet opened up to international arrivals without quarantine yet when you flew back, but um, your trip home wasn't exactly a piece of cake. So I'm I would, I'm curious to know, like, what did you originally book and then what did you actually end up flying?
1: Yeah, that's right. So we had um, a United credit from the trip over that I mentioned that we'd cancelled. So we needed to use um, quite a big, chunky United credit. Uh, So we booked ourselves uh, a business class journey back to Australia on United. Now, obviously, to fly United, you have to go via the US. So our original booking was Victoria to Vancouver, Vancouver to LAX, LAX to Sydney, Sydney to Melbourne. Um, the whole thing was going to be, I think just under 24 hours. So we were, you know, a bit hesitant because it's a marathon journey, especially when you're traveling with an infant, but we were comforted by the fact that we were in business class and that we were going to get treated well along the way. So, um, so we were, you know, we thought it would be the best option overall. We get to use the credit, travel um, in a bit of style, and uh, eventually get home. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go as smoothly as planned. In fact, quite the opposite. The original flight from Victoria to Vancouver, it's only a 20-minute flight. its They're actually um, – the, the two airports are really close to each other, but there's uh, a body of water in between, so you can only cross by air or ferry. So – Um, that first leg actually ended up being delayed by a few hours. Um, And then I think our first flight was cancelled. Then we got put on another one, which was delayed by a few hours. And we got put on a different flight to hopefully make our connection in Vancouver, which also ended up being delayed. So on on that first leg, by the time we got from Victoria to Vancouver, we'd missed our connection to, to Los Angeles and kind of the whole... Um the whole trip had been uprooted from there and it, it all got a bit crazy from that point in time.
0: So you missed the connection in Los Angeles. What do they do they rebook you via another flight or what
1: do they do? Yeah, so we were still in Victoria at the point where they realized we would miss our United connection from Vancouver to Los Angeles. And the Air Canada um check-in desk person because that first leg was via air canada she was actually trying to do everything she could to get us home which we really appreciated and i think she thought out of the box a bit and she noticed that there was a Qantas flight flying from vancouver to sydney direct that night that we were hopefully going to just be able to get um so she actually rebooked us to that Qantas flight now i didn't even know that you know air canada could get a united ticket and change your flight (laughs) and re-ticketed to a Qantas flight. So when she did that, we were really happy because actually it would be much better flying Qantas direct from um, from Vancouver to Sydney rather than having to go through LAX. Mm. Um, and we actually thought we were going to miss it because our flight ended up sitting in Victoria on the tarmac for a while before it made that hop to Vancouver. But when we got into the terminal at Vancouver, we had a look at the flight board and we noticed that the Qantas flight from um uh, vancouver to sydney was still boarding so we sprinted with all of our luggage and baby like way across to the other side of the airport we thought we were going to have a heart attack we were running so hard but we eventually got to the gate um uh, the Qantas gate it was still open and they said oh you're the two business class passengers we're waiting for great and then we go to board and then something goes wrong and they say oh this ticket actually isn't valid So we were denied boarding, and we said, Oh, what's going on? And they said, Well, probably Air Canada already cancelled the ticket because they thought you weren't going to make it. Um, So we felt very deflated at that point. We were, you know, at the gate, the gate was open. There were these two nice business class seats waiting for us directly to Sydney, and they said, No, we can't let you board because you don't have a valid ticket. So we said, Well, what should we do? And they sent us back through customs and passport control back out into um, the land side of Vancouver Airport and said that we just need to find someone from Air Canada there to help us to see what they can do for us to, to get us home. And so what did they do? So uh, we were probably talking to Air Canada for about three hours while they tried to sort us an alternative itinerary. I think we were there till about midnight that night. Um Interestingly, the Air Canada people said, no, there wasn't any problem with the ticket. It's still showing us as valid. So um, there must have been some sort of miscommunication between Qantas and Air Canada because Air Canada seems to think they issued us a valid ticket. And Qantas thought that they hadn't issued us a valid ticket. But um, they ended up getting us a hotel um, in Vancouver for the night for the few hours that we could sleep before we had to um, board our next flight, which was the next day flight down to Los Angeles. Um, to catch the next day's um, connection from LAX to Sydney. So, yeah, we got a very kind of crappy um, airport hotel um, that they paid for us to get a taxi to and crash over for the night um, and get a taxi back. So, you know, we couldn't complain. Um, We were kind of fearing that we were going to be stuck at the airport terminal, but at least we had somewhere to sleep. Um, And then the next morning we were back at the airport terminal got checked in flew down to LA to get our flight later to Sydney that night um we were really really shocked though when we got to LA and tried changing our seats on our flight from um LA to Sydney that for some reason our boarding cards were now coming up as LAX to San Francisco and we were like what the hell's going on so we went into the united lounge to get some help with our reservation and they said that that day's flight from la to sydney had actually been cancelled so we'd finally made it to la only for the flight to be cancelled and they wanted us to fly to san francisco so we ended up backtracking again and flew from la to san francisco to get that night's flight from san francisco to sydney so It had been kind of one cancellation after another. And what I understand from the staff is that these cancellations were mainly happening. There was a bit of weather involved, but they were mainly happening due to the airlines being short-staffed. They didn't have enough people um, because of the Omicron outbreak to to fly the planes. So uh, it's kind of an unexpected result of COVID being bounced around all around North America uh, because there weren't enough people to fly the planes.
0: Yeah, there have been a lot of stories lately of um, cancellations due to airlines being short on staff, both in North America and in Australia, and actually everywhere pretty much. Um, it seems to be a common theme. Um, but at least, at least they were able to rebook, even if it was for the next day. I guess. So, how yeah. was it flying United from um, San Fran to Sydney? And I guess you were in business class on that lake.
1: That's right. Yeah. So in the end, we did get the flight um, that night from San Francisco to Sydney, um, in united um flagship polaris business class so that was quite a nice experience the seats were actually um quite comfortable and spacious even traveling with an infant you know i was able to um cuddle up next to the baby and we were both able to get a few hours sleep um so that was really good uh one of the things that really surprised me though with the um with the business class cabin is the lack of food so they gave us a nice dinner just after we took off but then there was pretty much no food for the rest of the 15-hour flight until um, an hour before landing which is when they fed us breakfast so you know to go about 13 or 14 hours um, without any real food all they um, offered us in between were you know crisps and biscuits and candy that kind of stuff so we were actually quite hungry in fact um one of the flight attendants took pity on us and gave her her crew meal which was like a, oh. a sandwich so that we we and the baby wouldn't go completely hungry so you know for their flagship business class product i was a little bit disappointed about the level of catering but apart from that um it was a it was a pretty nice journey and um yeah, we managed to to get to Sydney. Um, unfortunately, in Sydney, we again missed our connection to Melbourne, um, just because the the Qantas domestic transfer service um, isn't in operation. So you have to pick up all your luggage and go out onto landside and get the bus or train yourself, and then recheck yourself from the beginning in the in the domestic terminal. So, we'd actually missed our flight to Melbourne. So, we ended up spending quite a few hours in Sydney waiting for the next available um, flight to Melbourne that wasn't full and wasn't cancelled because, again, they were having um, flight cancellations due to staffing issues related to COVID. Um, And they didn't have any business class seats left for us either for that um, final domestic connection. So, we ended up getting downgraded to economy. But, you know, that's not a big hardship for the Sydney to Melbourne flight. (laughs)
0: No, but still quite annoying. Uh, It's interesting to hear about your United experiences. Obviously, um, United and Virgin Australia are going to be partners from April, and uh, uh, a lot of Virgin Australia customers will probably end up flying United over to the US as a result. So um, interesting to hear that you found the seats good, service good, food not so good. Um, Hopefully, they might improve a little bit on on the food. But yeah, like with all those cancellations, you must have an absolute stack of boarding passes and and tickets and things along with all the rest of the paperwork that you would have needed to come into Australia um what what paperwork and like covid tests did you actually need to be able to come back into the country
1: yeah so because we were flying via the US we had to abide by the testing requirements to get into the US as well as the testing requirements to get into Australia So to get back into Australia, you need a negative PCR test within 72 hours of your travel. And for the US, you need a test result within a day of before your travel. Um, It doesn't have to be a PCR test. It can be a rapid antigen test. Um, Where we were in Canada, there were no rapid antigen tests there was no rapid antigen testing available or not kind of widely available just like here yeah (laughs) um well actually because you needed it as a certificate for travel you needed to get it done by um uh, by a third party who Ah, could certify that you were negative um in the end we ended up getting a a pcr test like a rush pcr test the day before so it Um, it was within both the the day before requirement for the US and the 72-hour requirement to get into Australia. Um, In the end, I was actually really glad that we only got it the day before our travel to Australia, even though we could have got it sooner because that test would have expired when we were stuck Uh, um, um, in between. So I was really thankful that our PCR tests were still valid by the time we eventually got our flight to, to Australia. Um, but in addition to that, we had our Australian travel declarations. Uh, we also had our uh, border passes to get into the state of Victoria. Obviously, our vaccine passports, which were um, necessary and um, my wife is an Australian permanent resident, but she's not a citizen, so we also had her, her a printout of her visa, which actually was the thing we ended up needing to show most often because um, the, yeah, they, they always wanted to see a, a visa and be able to put that into their system for anyone who wasn't holding an Australian passport. So we were glad we had a printout of that to make it easier.
0: Okay. And how how did your um, baby find it? Obviously, like you you spent quite a few days coming back. Like, um, did he manage okay?
1: Yeah, I think we calculated it was a 58-hour door-to-door Ooh. journey in the end. Yikes. So, um, it, we were pretty ruined, um, as was he. But he actually really took it in his stride. Like, I think he quite enjoyed the, the change of scenery and, you know, going to the airport lounges and seeing... Um, <laughs> Was sitting on planes and different airports he really loved when we were in the united business class on the way uh, from san francisco to sydney he loved the push button operated sliding screen between the two seats so we had the two middle <laughs> seats where we could sit, sit next to each other and he just loved putting the slide up sliding uh, barrier up and down and up and down he must have done that a, a lot of times during that flight
0: Oh, that's good. Okay, and um, you mentioned to me as well off air that you um, recently participated also in the United Mileage Plus Status Challenge, and of course that's now just um, being brought back for two thousand and twenty two. But you registered last year. How'd you go with that uh, with the challenge?
1: Yeah, we thought given we're doing some business class flights with United, we might as well try to get some status for it, and. I used my Qantas Gold status to request the status match to United Gold um, to get the equivalent status. So we had four months to get a certain number of um, points. So what what was the requirement to complete the challenge? So I think it was 2,000 PQPs, so that's Premier Qualifying Points, along with... 6 PQFs earned on a united operated flight so that's basically 6 united operated segments you had to do um so i ended up with more than 2000 pqps and i think i had 5 segments um operated by united thanks to another side trip that i did while i was over in north america so i was actually just a little bit short on segments um But I emailed United and said, you know, seeing as I'm over on points and I'm just one segment short and stuck in Australia without being able to travel United again in the next few months, um, could they, um, you know, let me succeed on the status match? And they uh, actually luckily said yes and extended my status to uh, January 2023 as a United gold. So that could potentially come in handy later this year. Oh, that's great.
0: And, of course, now that Virgin uh, and United will be partners very soon, you might even be able to use your United status to get into the Virgin lounges and things like that. So that's quite handy to have and and good that that worked out for you. They were a little bit flexible as well, um, even though you didn't exactly meet the requirements. I guess just finally, um, if there's anyone listening who's thinking about doing a trip to Canada or the US at the moment, um, do you think it's a good idea? Would you recommend visiting?
1: My gut feeling is that if it's just a holiday, um, you know, just trying to um, decide whether it's a good time to holiday over there. I would say probably not. Um, the, they're having similar problems to here in terms of being short-staffed in just about every sector, uh, which makes it, um, I think, quite complicated to, to get things done. Even, you know, when we were staying in some hotels over there, the service wasn't as good due to um, being short-staffed. We weren't able to get restaurant reservations a lot of the time. So it's probably not a great time um, to have an experience, uh, like a holiday experience over there. But I would say, you know, if you've got a really good reason for going, like you want to see friends or family or you've got some business to do over there, um, as long as you're prepared to be flexible and understand that, you know, you might get um, you might get stuck for a while, then I would say it's worth it. But just try to be as prepared and flexible as possible.
0: Yeah. Okay. really interesting. Well, Daniel Cavan, thank you so much for joining me on the AFF on Air podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Matt. I hope you found that interview interesting. Finally today, if you're keen to get travelling again in 2022 and you've got frequent flyer points to spend, you might like to consider booking a Round the World Award. Several Frequent Flyer programs including Qantas Frequent Flyer, Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer and Cathay Pacific Asia Miles offer special types of award tickets that can be used to travel around the world and they can be exceptional value. For example, it normally costs 318,000 Qantas points to fly from Australia to Europe and back in business class on a One World Airline or on an Emirates, and that's without any stopovers. But for the same number of Qantas points, you could fly around the world on One World Airlines with up to five stopovers using the One World Classic flight reward. I've talked about this on the podcast before and with good reason. The Qantas One World Classic flight reward is superb value. It's not around the world award in the true sense because you don't actually have to fly around the world with it. But, um, and you know, that's a common misconception. It's often called incorrectly around the world award, um, but it is um, definitely a good way to fly around the world if that's what you want to do. And Qantas Frequent Flyer is not the only one world airline to offer this. Cathay Pacific's Asia Miles program, for example, also offers a similar award which it calls the One World Multi Carrier Award. And you might not have any uh, Cathay Pacific Asia Miles, but if you have, for example, American Express membership rewards points or points with a range of other Australian credit card programs, you might actually be able to transfer those to Asia Miles and then redeem that way. Now, the Asia Miles Award is slightly more restrictive in terms of what you're able to do compared to the Qantas One World Award. Um, That's because you can only have a maximum of eight flight sectors with um, the Asia Miles ticket compared to 16 with Qantas. And in addition, Cathay requires that if you have three or more airlines used as part of the booking, one of them uh, has to be Cathay Pacific. Now, that could make things a little bit difficult at the moment, considering that Cathay is currently banning, uh, or Cathay is currently banned by the Hong Kong government from flying passengers from Australia into Hong Kong, as well as passengers from many other countries, even in transit. Uh, And there's also the issue of whether Cathay will even still be around in a year's time, considering uh, how restricted they are in their operations at the moment with all the Hong Kong government restrictions. But there is a key benefit to booking this with Asia miles instead of Qantas points, and that's the price. It costs only 210,000 Asia miles to book one of these in business class, travelling up to 35,000 miles, compared to that 318,000 Qantas points, so it is considerably cheaper with Asia miles. And with Asia miles, if you wanted to fly more than 35,000 miles, that's also possible, uh, with Qantas, one world awards over thirty five thousand miles cannot be booked. It's not. It's not possible. But with Asia Miles, you can fly between thirty five and fifty thousand miles for a cost of two hundred forty thousand Asia Miles. If you want to do that. With Singapore Airlines' Chris Flyer, they also offer a Star Alliance Round-the-World Award, and the value with that is even more pronounced. For example, it would cost you um, 260,000 Chris Flyer miles to book a round-trip business class award ticket from Australia to North America on a Star Alliance airline. But you could fly around the world on Star Alliance with up to seven stopovers for just 240,000 KrisFlyer miles in business class. So that's actually a saving of 20,000 miles just compared to, for example, booking a flight from Sydney to Vancouver and back. With Singapore Airlines, the rules are a bit different. You do actually have to travel around the world, crossing the Pacific and Atlantic oceans once each and traveling in the same easterly or westerly direction for the whole trip. But this too can be really good value if you're able to make the rules work for you. If you'd like to learn more about how to redeem your points for around the world ticket on any of these airlines, make sure you don't miss next week's Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar, which I'll be hosting at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time next Tuesday, that's the 25th of January. To learn more about that webinar, which is about how to fly around the world on points in 2022, head over to frequentflyer.com.au or you can click on the link in the episode notes. And that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Daniel Kavan, and thank you so much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers.
1: And until then, safe travels.